Right, Rex has been thinking. I think he's got a good shot at this. The Cowboys have now lost 20 games in the wild card and divisional rounds of the playoffs, going all the way back to the merger. There's only one franchise that has lost more. Can you guess which it is? Well, it's funny. Only one team popped in my mind, and then the longer I waited, another one popped. Uh, and this is not my answer, by the way. But Marvin Lewis lost like six, seven in a row or something. But right. and I'm like, eh, since he's never been there enough. That's right. So... Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings is correct. I knew he would it get is. that right. Oh, it imagine is. that. Oh, how about that? Minnesota's right. You know. Just what do you got, Rex? Back. What do you got for him? Himbo, I, yeah. I think I have something for you. Oh, I own you, my friend. Are you kidding me? That kind of thing? I own you. Oh, I, my I knew you would get that one. Absolutely. The Vikings made the, the playoffs and lost every in year head. in the 70s. Okay, with that, we welcome you back to Get Up, presented by ESPN Bet. The Cowboys and the Packers yesterday in a game for the ages, one that we will be talking about, I think, forever and certainly for the next 20 minutes commercial free. We pick it up. The Packers got the opening kickoff. Neek, they went right down the field and scored. Now, they're up 14-0 at the half, and then Jordan Love off his back foot spectacular again. Yeah, this was my favorite play of the day. They hard counted to get them to show the zero blitz, motion to change the leverage, and hit Dontavian Wicks in the back of the end zone with a great throw. And then Rex, I mean, here's the pick six. This was ridiculous. That that was the backbreaker, and yes, Dak looked horrible on that one, but not the whole game. Yeah, Rex has been defending Dak Prescott this morning. It's been a lonely place. Uh, And then it's it's Jordan Love, who was spectacular again. There's the pick. Six. Uh, that was a 64-yard return, made it 27. Nothing might as well have shut off the lights at that point. And then, if it was even a game anymore in the third quarter, Neek, why is Luke Musgrave this open? In part because they're running the ball so well. It looks like man coverage, a nice throwback action. It's hard to cover that when you're coming downhill really fast to stop the run. Great Cowboys, play design. Cowboys were outplayed. They were outcoached. They were outclassed. This was no contest. There's the man who's going to have to decide what the fallout will be. Congratulations to the Packers on a huge win. For the Cowboys, questions. We put ourselves in position to play a home playoff game. You know, it was a great, we had a great opportunity, but we clearly picked the wrong day to have a bad day. Just shocked, honestly. Um, From the beginning of the game, uh, yeah, we got beat. There's no other which way around it, no way to sugarcoat it. Um, obviously, I didn't play well uh, and shock. I don't want to rank it, but I will tell you that I'm floored. This is beyond my comprehension. All right, here we go. We've got Dan Orlovsky and Damian Woody who are both with us, and Chris Canty will be in here shortly, and Shefty was here a bit ago. And, Dean Wood, I'm going to come right to you here. You were with me on Friday, and we were talking at length about how the Cowboys seem to have everything set up just perfectly including an opening game here against a team they should have handled somewhat easily. So what do we get up this morning and say, D. Wood? It's a, col- it's a colossal failure. It's a colossal failure, that entire organization, for the way they performed yesterday. I mean, this was the Cowboys, in my opinion, the best chance of them trying to get, to get back to the Super Bowl in the last quarter century. They would have had at least two home games they had taken care of business before possibly facing the San Francisco 49ers. And to go out there and play the type of game that they play where they've been absolutely dominant at home this season. Absolutely dominant at home. They're averaging 40 points per game at home in Jerry's world. And to go out there against the youngest team in the National Football League and get steamrolled. 
okay? Let's not, that final score doesn't even do it justice for how badly the Cowboys got steamrolled yesterday. I mean, listen, man, I, I'm, I'm still in shock to see what I witnessed yesterday by the Dallas Cowboys. And, and listen, I got to tip my cap to Matt LaFleur for the coaching job that he put out there and getting that young team prepared, ready to go. Jordan Love is an absolute star. If anyone hasn't watched him over the past, you know, two months, he's an absolute star with a whole bunch of young, young first, second year weapons. I mean, listen, this is just catastrophic for the Dallas Cowboys, and there has to be changes. You can't go status quo running back with, the, with what happened yesterday. There has to be changes. I agree. And, Dan, I think if you look at the three playoff defeats that we're all focused on here, the San Francisco game a couple of years ago where they don't get the, 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 the ball yeah, down right. in time, last year where Dak just played terribly, and they get this was the worst. Because those were against really good teams, and you could pinpoint one thing here or there that might have turned it around. This was, and I think D. Wood just said it well, a total failure, a total collapse. You could throw a dart in any direction and find a way in which they were dominated yesterday, uh, Dan Orlovsky. And so I know you share that belief. You can't just run it back and hope it gets better by not making any significant change. The most disappointing performance the Dallas Cowboys have had in three decades. Three decades. This was the highest expectations for them, rightfully so. This was a team that had 15 Pro Bowlers, quarterback that was playing MVP-level football, offensive player of the year candidate, wide receiver, one of the best young tight ends in football, three all-pro offensive linemen, a defensive player of the year candidate, and Micah Parsons. These were the highest expectations this team has had realistically in three decades and the most disappointing they've, performance they've had in three decades. No one showed up. They were completely outcoached. They were completely outprepared. And they were completely outclassed. Not a single person on that football team played well yesterday. And the youngest team in the league went into their building where they had won 15 games in a row and averaged 40 points and completely dump trucked them. Matt LaFleur was significantly better than Dan Quinn. The offensive line for Green Bay dominated Dallas's defensive line. And Green Bay defensively, who this year gave up NFC Player of the Week's awards to um, Bryce Young and Tommy DeVito shut down an offense that many people thought was unstoppable at home. There's no way that the Dallas Cowboys could sit there and think, we can take presently what we have, run it back next year, and think we're not being fake about our Super Bowl expectations. So we have that on the table. Rex, let's focus for a moment on the defense, because that is your area of expertise. You're one of the great defensive coaches in the history of the game. The Cowboys' defense yesterday was mystifying. I can't believe how bad they were. How do you explain it? For the the lay person, for the person who's just watching and thinking, change something, do something. What happened to the defense You're exactly right. you got to do something. You can't just take an ass-kicking. All right, 9.5 yards per play on first down. What? Like, that doesn't happen, Greeny. I've been around this game all my life. It doesn't happen. 5.2 yards of separation on on the average route. What? That doesn't happen. 167 yards rushing you gave up. All right? And, And here's the beauty of it. So I'm watching this stuff. 54 offensive snaps. 48 of those snaps 
they had six plus DBs. In other words, you're playing small ball. What the hell are you doing playing small ball when you're getting the ball run down your throat? You can't. Get bigger bodies in there. You, I mean, somebody, and they're going to say, well, we got to get a box. Who? Some little 200-pound kid is going to get up a, a 320-pound lineman? It ain't happening. What are you doing, Dan Quinn? I have a lot of respect for Dan Quinn, but this has happened to you more than once this year. Yeah. It happened to you against Arizona. It happened to you against Buffalo. Hell, Detroit. I, I, you, you want to make changes? How about we start with that? Mm. Let's make changes there. We're just going to throw away. I love it. We have 15 Pro Bowlers. We're going to throw away that. They're doing something right. They got 15 Pro Bowlers. Yeah. So to me, it's like we're just going to get rid of McCarthy and all that. No, you've got to look, take a deep dive in what the hell you're asking your players to do. And this is on Dan Quinn. Oh, well, and but it's, I mean, look, at the end of the day, I feel like you're arguing my side of this nope. and Orlovsky's side, which is they're too good to be this bad. And if that's the case, then it's on the people who are putting them in those positions. And that's Quinn, and that is Mike McCarthy. But, no? but that's what I'm saying. They do a great job when they get ahead of you. They do all that. They've got to look at, hey, uh-uh. when, it, when somebody's trying to bloody our nose, we need to combat that, and that's what they, they haven't done. It's what we say about the 49ers, but it's a much worse version of it in that they, there's one way that they can win. They need to get out to a fast start offensively and put the um, opposing offense on their heels and less, allow their pass rush to take advantage of the game. When they're not in that situation, it gets ugly, and you need Dak Prescott to keep you afloat. When you can't get a stop on defense, you need to answer their scores with scores, and he wasn't doing that. I will get to Dak in a second, I promise, but one more on this defense because Rex is giving us that stat. 48 out of 54 plays, you're playing small and they're bludgeoning you. I'm sitting here going, why wouldn't you make some change? It did not look to the to the yeah. layperson's eye like they made any defensive adjustment in that game. Even with those DBs on the field, they were still having coverage busts. So, like, <laughs> they weren't stopping anything. So, your point is fair. They weren't able to stop the run, but you put those extra DBs so that you can stop the pass, but they're still play action and eating over the middle of the field to Dobbs and taking those posts with Gilmore. So Explain it to me anything. then. Why was their defense so awful yesterday? It's one thing to not to, not to be your strength. They got humiliated. It's a bad matchup. And they didn't have, they didn't have change-ups. That's what you were saying. So it seemed that while we keep saying LaFleur came in and outcoached him, is LaFleur came in with a game plan and he came in with answers to the Cowboys' answers, but the Cowboys never had answers. So they start pulling out plays at the end of the game that they didn't even need. That throwback was unnecessary. They just did it because they practiced it all week and they're like, hey, we're going to do this anyway. Because there was no answer to anything that they were doing. They knew what, and that's always been kind of a knock against Dan Quinn, even though I think he's been better, is that he's a we-do-we-do we do type of defensive guy. They did what they did, and the Packers were prepared for it yeah. and destroyed it. Dan, and, and let me the, get Dan in here. Yeah, go Greeny. ahead, Dan. Go. Greeny, on Monday of last week, we said it was a bad matchup for this Dallas defense. Yeah. Told everybody why. Number one, Green Bay majors in 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends. Dallas struggles with that. Number two, Dallas struggles when teams motion pre and at the snap. That's something that Green Bay majors in. Number three, Dallas struggles when they have to get play against play action pass. Okay, watch how quickly this ball gets snapped. No one on Dallas is even set for it. That's coaching. That's being prepared. Now they're going to play action at Micah Parsons. Why? Because then essentially they're creating a double team. They're helping their front side tackle. Now nobody is set for Dallas. Jordan Love has all the time in the world. He has a tremendous pocket, and he could create a little bit. So that was a very clear plan. But that's exactly what they struggle with, and they have all year, Greeny. 
Again, 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends. You're going to see pre-snap or at-snap motion. That's who they. That's what they struggle with. They're going to fake right at Micah Parsons. Why? Because they can double-team the front side and chip the backside. Now, coverage-wise, you guys keep asking why people are wide open. Dom and Rex know this better than I, but the Cowboys like to play man coverage, undercut stuff. So you sell one way and come back where you came from. And then split-flow zone. Why split-flow zone? Number one, you get the defense flowing one side. You have better angles offensively. Number two, you cut Micah Parsons off inside out on the back side. You make Micah take on that block over and over and over again. He's a pass rusher. That's what he is premier at. This was not surprising to me. It wasn't. I felt that Green Bay's offense and the things that they major in were going to create a lot of problems for Dallas. That's exactly what happened. Exactly. And so then the flip side, and Dan, to your credit, you literally said exactly that last week. The flip side of it is, and we talked about this, D. Wood, at length on Friday, all the things the Cowboys do well offensively should have been extremely Whoa. effective against that Packer that was defense. Surprising. The numbers we threw out all over the place. Graziano had them. The Packers were 32nd in defense in the middle of the field. The, pa- the Cowboys were fourth in offense in the middle of the field. They're not going to punt. They're going to run for 180 yards. D. Wood, what <laughs> happened to the Cowboys' offense yesterday? Greeny, I'm going to make this real plain. Because everyone has spoken about the coaching, the coaching mismatch in this game, how how much Matt LaFleur and company just outcoached the Dallas Cowboys. But I'm going to make it real plain for the public out there what happened yesterday. Those guys on the field, the Dallas Cowboys, got their asses kicked one and one on one matchups. <laughs> sometimes we make the game of fo- sometimes we make the game right. of football more complicated than what it really is. All you have to do. Who was winning for the Dallas Cowboys? One-on-one. We can go across the board. We can go to Michael Parsons, Deron Bland. I mean, the list goes on and on. No one was winning. No one was winning. That's why I said at the beginning that this was just a total disaster because not only were they outcoached, but the players on the field for the Dallas Cowboys we're getting their asses whipped one-on-one. And when that happens, when that happens, there's got to be change. Not only a coaching staff, but there's got to be more than that when you see situations like that pop up in a critical playoff game. So to, to D. Wood's point, that interception against Brandon Cooks, where Brandon Cooks is playing there, Brandon Cooks got, has to keep running across. you got to run away from man coverage. And, of course, Dak throws a bad ball, it's intercepted, but that's an example of where you got to win one-on-one. CeeDee Lamb was being doubled for a large portion of early downs, so you don't expect him to make something happen. You expect uh, Dak to find someone else to get the ball there. But I think also on the other side, we have to give credit to what Jordan Love did. I know at some point today we're going to stop bashing the Cowboys and no. accept that. No, we're not. Lo- <laughs> no, we're not going to stop that. And I'll tell you what, Jordan Love was brilliant. The Packers were brilliant. But th- that, that's, this was not the day. Mike McCarthy said it. They were awful yesterday. The Cowboys were awful. They would have lost to a lot of teams yesterday the way they played. They looked tight. They looked tentative. They looked confused from the very beginning. And, Dan, the quarterback has to carry a lot of this. I love him. I love that. He does. The quarterback has – Dominique, what do you – okay, go no, ahead. No, I'll, I'll give you I, the floor. I, I what wanna, do you say about Dak's performance yesterday? It was putrid. I'm not going to okay. defend it as a good performance, and I, will, I also will accept that I can – 
argue away some of his mistakes yesterday, but the sample size of his playoff career is large enough now that, yeah, some of this has to hang on him. You can't keep blaming other people. However, when you go to Dan, Dan's about to say that we need to move on from him. That's when you get my pen thaws. Well, he hasn't my said it yet. Expresses. That's when you get all of this. Let's That's hear what he said. I thought you were doing that uh, at uh, me. Uh, go ahead, Dan. What do we say about Dak this morning? Okay. Yeah, Dak played timid. He played hesitant. He, he looked un, uh, undecisive or indecisive, excuse me. And a lot of Green Bay, what they did made him play like in a different way. Dom, I'm not saying just move on from Dak. I think you got to restart everything, okay? So okay. don't like, let's, let's not frame it as like Orlovsky hates Dak Prescott. No, I think no, no, no. because of everything that has happened, you got to restart from everybody. I thought Dak played hesitant, um, indecisive, timid. I think this, and, and Dom and Rex, you guys disagree with me if you do. If you watch that game and the Green Bay defense versus the Dallas offense, Woody's 100% spot on. This wasn't a schematic thing. This wasn't, oh my gosh, they confused Dallas a ton. They just beat Dallas with technique and played more simple football. I think one thing stands out. The Cowboys offense had to be very predictable yesterday. And Green Bay had to know the two or three plays that they were going to run to cover the way that they did. The Jair, Jair Alexander interception, he's all over Brandon Cooks like he's running the route. The pick six by Savage, it's like they know That's triple perfect. slants is coming. They got into triple, the three by one triple. Jair runs that route for Cooks. So there is an element where I'll sit here and tell you, Dom, I do think that yesterday, because of the way that Green Bay's defense played, I do believe that there is that element or, or variable of, my gosh, that Cowboys offense became very predictable. There's no way on that pick six right there that they don't know triple slants isn't coming. Savage goes here, bring pick six. So I think there's predictable in that aspect. Why, D. Wood, why are you, what are you thinking there? Man, listen, Dak Prescott performance just was like me drinking a Diet Coke. <laughs> empty calories. That's what it was. <laughs> it was just a bunch of empty calories in that performance. Like, you look at the stats and you see what he threw for over 400 yards or whatever, yeah. but it was yeah. all empty calories. There was nothing There was nothing to it, man. And Listen, I'm not sitting here and say get rid of Dak Prescott, but I'm just saying, like, it was just – this whole thing was just a complete, utterly – just a, just a disaster, a yeah. failure on everybody's part from the quarterback on down, the coaches on down for the Dallas Cowboys. I, again, I want everyone out here to, to understand this. The Dallas Cowboys were the most dominant team at home in the National Football League. Averaged 40 points yeah, per right. game at home. Again, and then going up against a Green Bay Packers defense that, quite honestly, we were all saying that was a seed. Like they couldn't, they couldn't punch their way out of a wet paper bag, and they went out there and shut down, dismantled the Dallas Cowboys. If that's not embarrassing, I don't know what is. All right, I'm, I'm going to give Rex the final word because he has to race to the airport in a minute here to get down to Tampa. Final word on this from you, as far as this goes. When, when, when someone says to you, "What is the the story of that game to you?" In a nutshell, it is what. The defense was atrocious. They set the tone for the entire football team, including their own offense. Why did Dak not perform well? Because they're, they're already down 14 points before you can even, you know, look around. Yeah. And, yeah, Dak wasn't great. But points. I'm going to tell you this. Dak Prescott is the least of their problems. 
First thing I do is sign him to an extension. I'm going to tell you why. He's a hell of a quarterback. He, he was in the MVP conversation, all right? He's going to say, oh, he had a horrible game. I know. I get it. Yeah, empty calories, 400 yards passing, 45 yards rushing. If they all played like Dak Prescott, you think they would have got their ass kicked that bad? Hell no. Dak doesn't play linebacker. Yes. Dak doesn't play corner. He doesn't rush the passer. He doesn't block. Give me a break. The only guy that stood up. All right. The thing that I love about Dak Prescott, he put it on himself. Too bad the rest of the team isn't putting it on their self, including every single coach, every single player. Rex was supposed to be in Tampa this morning. He insisted on coming in here and yes, doing it an hour with you after this. I love you, big fella. Thank you for doing that. Get down there. I wanted to kick Safe you both ass. Like, exactly. <laughs> All right. We'll take a quick break on that here. Coming up, so much more on Dallas being done. Will the big change be the head coach or will there be others? Chris Canty jumps in. Should one of those changes again be Mike McCarthy? We'll have more from Shefty. He's got the latest on the coaching carousel. Bunch of stuff happening, and we'll see what happens in Philly tonight. And then what love had to do with it. Holy smoke, they've done it again in Green Bay. Another star quarterback on the way. Get up on ESPN. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Delicious, meat nutritious, and the snack that packs a real protein punch. Wonderful pistachios, one of the highest protein nuts out there. Each one-ounce serving has 6 grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. Wonderful pistachios also come in a variety of flavors and sizes, perfect for enjoying with family and friends or taking them with you on the go. And you're on the go a lot, taking the kids to school, hopping from meeting to meeting, shopping for groceries. Well, the good news is, not only are wonderful pistachios a complete protein, providing all nine essential amino acids, they're also great for all your adventures. So whether you're a pistachio purist who loves cracking open every nut, or you prefer the convenience of no-shells pistachios, Wonderful Pistachios has got you covered. Grab Wonderful Pistachios and elevate your snacking game today. Visit wonderfulpistachios.com to learn more. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Welcome back to Get Up. Coming to you live from the seaport. Brought to you by Chase. Meanwhile, two more games still to come today, Nick, including Steelers and Bills in snowy Buffalo. Look at the Bills Mafia. <laughs> What do we say about this fellow here? This is unsafe. Like, what? I never get for who for what? 
What is the reward? What are they going to give you? Is there like a million dollars if you do this? I don't know. God bless him. You'll see that one 4.30 Eastern this afternoon on CBS. Anybody love him? Someone who loves him, come tell him to stop being so silly. Uh, That one's uh, the afternoon game on CBS. We'll have the evening game tonight, ESPN and company. All that on the way. Another double dip of football on this day. Coming up, we have much more here, including Shafty will jump in. Is it time for a coaching change in Dallas? How about other places? Don't miss the latest on the carousel from Shafty right after this. Welcome back to Get Up. We are presented by ESPN Bet. From the beginning of the game, we got beat. No way to sugarcoat it. Here's the handoff, Aaron Jones blasting up the middle. Touchdown, Aaron Jones. Prescott is back, throws it left. It's intercepted at the 20-yard line. Jair Alexander. There's no excuses. I suck tonight. Takes the handoff, tight pocket, throws it, intercepted back the other way. It's going to be a pick six. They came out here, they're better than us in all facets of the game. To the end zone, touchdown, Don Tavian Wicks on the post. What a story, Jordan Love. We're hurting, we're disappointed, clearly picked the wrong day to have a bad day. My bottom line is this. Cowboys have won 12 games in each of the last three years, a combined record of 36-15. and But that's where the good news ends. They're the first team ever to win 12 games in three straight seasons and fail to make the conference championship in any of them. In Tampa, Adam Schefter again has rejoined Dan Orlovsky. We'll hear from Schefter in a second. But we have brought in Chris Canty for the first time this morning on Sportsman Like Coast to Coast on ESPN Radio. We have been all over the place this morning as we have handed out blame for the complete disaster that was the Cowboys yesterday. What were the first words out of your mouth on radio this morning? They got to fire Mike McCarthy. Somebody has to be held accountable for what we saw yesterday. I mean, they got beat from pillar to post from the opening kickoff. They were outclassed, they were outcoached, and they were out-executed. That was a team that wasn't prepared, and it showed. They were down 27-0 before you could blink. And here's the thing, C.D. Lamb, all-pro player and your best weapon for Dak Prescott, got his first catch with two minutes to go in the first half. The the secondary for the Green Bay Packers had more catches than C.D. Lamb in the first 28 minutes of that football game. So, I mean, that embarrassing performance where you got outplayed by a team that is the youngest in the NFL with a quarterback that's making his playoff debut is absolutely inexcusable. And when you put into context everything that we've seen from their three previous trips to the postseason – knowing that in the home games that you lost in, you didn't hold the lead in those games at any point. I don't know how you come to any other conclusion other than moving on from Mike McCarthy because this guy is not going to get you to the championship rounds. Well, I just happen to have Adam Schefter with me here, which is so, Schefter, I mean, obviously, as you are well aware, and you told us earlier this morning, you were hearing it in texts from all over the place. What should we expect as far as that is concerned? Well, there's really only one or two individuals that know. That's Jerry and Stephen Jones right now. And this was such a shocking loss that they need to somehow find a way to process this as soon as they can and make whatever decision it is that they're going to have moving forward. I go back to what people said throughout the season. There were people in the organization and out of the organization that said that Mike McCarthy always would be judged by how Dallas's last game of the season went. Well, 
That turned out to be their last game of the season yesterday. We all saw how it went. And now we all wait to see what the fallout will be and what the Jones family will decide moving forward here in relation to Mike McCarthy. But it was not just Mike McCarthy. Everybody gets hit by that game. Dak Prescott was going to do a new deal this offseason. Dan Quinn, one of the top coaching candidates. Micah Parsons wants a new contract. Everybody that had something invested in this team took some type of hit yesterday, and now we wait to see the fallout of it, Greeny. I just want to follow up quickly on what you just said. When you referenced Dak Prescott's contract extension, you, you said it in the past tense. I don't know if you meant it that way, but you said Dak was going to do a contract extension. Should, should we still expect that? Should we still expect Dak Prescott to become the highest paid player in the NFL at some point this offseason? Well, that's the whole point. Everything now gets evaluated, and I'm sure Dak is going to get paid. But is it going to be as quickly? Is it going to be as much? Is it going to be without any issues? All of a sudden, there's a whole new layer of things that are introduced into all these conversations. And really, it goes around, I think, three key people here. Mike McCarthy, Dak Prescott, and I think Dan Quinn, a head coaching candidate. There'll be other people that are affected. But yesterday's events will have some type of bearing, some type, on everybody this offseason, which could start today. And now we wait to see exactly what that bearing will wind up being. A moment ago, by the way, folks, when we were in commercial, Shefty was on the phone. There's nothing more compelling than Adam Schefter on the phone this week. I was waiting for it. Does he have it? Does he have it? Dan Orlovsky, jump in. You heard what, what Shefty just said. And we have another interesting game tonight with the Eagles, and you know, we'll see what winds up happening there. But, but as you assess it, he just framed it that way. You know, that's three huge people involved in all this. What do you think the fallout should be and could be? Greeny, Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott are 13-15 and 15 versus teams who end the season with a winning record. 13-15. and 15. The results are what they are. I said this years ago about Dak. Good player. Never play a good play, pay a good player, great player money. I'll ask everybody at home. I have Shefty sitting next to me as you guys. Dak played yesterday the way that if Jordan Love had played in his first playoff start, we would have been okay with. Like, hey, first time playing, he's he's you know, first year starter, he's gonna play poorly. Just three times in the last four games. Three times in the last four playoff games. So there's I said this in the first hour, Greeny. There's no way that Jerry Jones could look at the camera when he does press conferences or post-game interviews and tell Cowboys Nation, their fan base, all of us, hey, I want to win a Super Bowl. It's the only thing I think about when you hear the, the, the Texas fields late at night and you, that's me thinking about it. There's no possible way that he can do that if changes aren't made. Well, I'm glad that Dan Orlowski never fires anybody, but he's calling for changes to be made in this situation. The one change that I think that should be off limits is the Dak Prescott thing. Like Cooper Rush, that's what we're doing. We're doing Trey Lance. That's what we're going for. Mm. I, I, get, I get the idea. So if you could guarantee me that I could get uh, average to slightly above average quarterback for cheap, yeah, that's fine. But you can't guarantee me that. If you could tell me I get a great quarterback for cheap, then sure. Or a great quarterback for a lot of money, then sure. But none of that is guaranteed. Most of the teams in this league go year in and year out hoping they can make the playoffs. You are at least guaranteed to get into the playoffs and then hope that your players can elevate. The idea that they should move on from Dak to me seems kind of absurd. Mike McCarthy, 
That's a different story. Yeah, I'm with, friend, you on, yeah. I'm with you on that one, Nick. I'm not moving on from Dak Prescott, but I ain't in a hurry to pay him neither. I know it's a $59.5 million cap hit. They're going to have to make that cap do magic this offseason. We're working around that deal because I'm not signing up to make Dak Prescott the highest-paid quarterback in NFL history off of that performance. Well, I mean, his history shows he's not going to take a penny less. Exactly. God bless him, he shouldn't. Yeah. But here's the bottom line. It's not just Dak Prescott. It's C.D. Lamb's contract. It's Micah Parsons' yeah. contract and others. This was their window. I mean, that's the point, and, and we've had multiple uh, – D. Wood made it earlier. This was the year everything was set up for them on a silver platter. For it to end this badly in this moment feels a little like the end of something to me. It does, and that's why I think this is the end of Mike McCarthy's era as the Cowboys coach, and you're just waiting for Jerry to get desperate enough to cede control to a football person – that knows what the hell no, they're doing chance. and how. Zero chance that happens. Well, you say that, and he hired Bill Parcells once upon a time when I was drafted there, and Bill Parcells was the one that was buying the groceries and cooking the meal. I would, That's what you're hoping happens I would, because Bill Belichick, a coach of that ilk, can be the difference in your team winning playoff games in a way that Mike McCarthy hasn't shown in recent history. I would push back on that. The roster's not the problem. Right. They've been drafting well. They've been stockpiling a good amount of talent. The fact that they underachieved in this game, to me, is about the allocation of that talent and the the use of it, not necessarily the the the. It, uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm not arguing. I'm not yeah. arguing the talent on the roster either. What I'm arguing is the formation of an identity that allows you to win in the playoffs. Everybody knows Will McClay does a great job at being able to find players that can be impact. Got impactful guys, but it's a matter of whether or not you have a coach that can put an identity in place that allows them to win in the postseason. Dan, go. I just don't understand how, for all year long, we laud, man, Mike McCarthy, you know, decided to move on from Kellen Moore, and this offense is humming, and it's playing great, and CeeDee Lamb's an offensive player of the year, and Ferguson's emerged as one of the best young tight ends, and Dak Prescott is playing at an MVP level, and my gosh, Dan Quinn has done such a great job creating turnovers for this defense, and Mike is a defensive player of the year candidate, and Demarcus Lawrence is outstanding at football, and Stephon Gilmore, that trade is great. He's going to be a head coaching candidate. And now it's like, well, they, they were only outcoached. I, I just don't understand. If Kirk Cousins went well, on national TV yesterday and had that same performance, people would be burying him, digging yeah. his grave. You got to move on. Minnesota, go. And now we're just like, well, oh, you know okay. what? Maybe we just get rid no of the coach. I, I don't understand no how we arguing, do this. No one's arguing that they were outcoached. Only outcoached. We're arguing that it's part of the issue. But I hate when people do this, like saying, because you would do something unfair to someone else, we should do something unfair to this person. But it wouldn't be I'm unfair. Saying it, it is absolutely we unfair. Th- the quarterbacks get disproportionate it? amount okay, of credit so and fine. blame. Okay, they're going to get it. But if you want to move on from fine, move on from him, fine. But the consequences, I'm just warning you, the consequences of moving on from him is not as bright, as rosy as you think it's going to be. I, I need to ask, ask any, you. Ask one of any other team in this league who's been looking for quarterbacks for years. Can I keep Shefty, or is, does he have to go after the break? He's staying. Okay, then, I, uh, then I'll take a break. <laughs> I have more <laughs> things I need to ask Shefty, but I, I can take a quick break and remind you that ESPN Bet is the official sports book of ESPN and the only place to find exclusive offers with your favorite ESPN personalities and shows. New users get $100 in bonus bets after making any sports book bet. Download today. What a play. We'll let Chris Canty get back on the radio. Thank you, big fella. You're the best. We will continue what exactly happens now, and we will ask Shefty not just about this situation, but how about other coaching possibilities that we are hearing coming at us left and right? Don't miss that. Next. 
Lift every voice and sing. Martin Luther King is the pinnacle, uh, the prophet. Uh, everything that he was saying, you know, you can still say in today's time, but to be able to have that vision and that insight at an early age, Dr. Martin Luther King is a, just a you know, exemplary example of, of a human being. There's not enough words to really that you can say about. And we continue on Get Up. We are presented by ESPN Bet. And it is time for Wild Card Weekend Superlatives. Dan Orlovsky, what was the most impressive thing you saw this weekend? Yeah, the best rookie quarterback I've ever seen, C.J. Stroud. I, I can't put into words how impressed I am. The way he sees the game, how quickly he sees the game, the quickness of his throwing motion, the ball placement, going against a defense that is very good, man-to-man coverage. He was the best player on the field. And, Greeny, I don't know how many quarterbacks in the league I'm taking above him right now, but it's less than his jersey number. He is spectacular. <laughs> yeah, he is. The, it is the best rookie season any quarterback's ever had. Favorite moment, Neek? Oh, man, it was just about everything from this Chiefs game, from Patrick Mahomes being so cold that he cracked a hole in his helmet. <laughs> they switched it to one that didn't. Oh, oh Andy Reid, I hope that's water. I hope he got thirsty. <laughs> I hope those aren't snot sickles. And, and uh, oh, this, this is amazing also. This particular, I think this is a swag surf. I guess this is a swag surf. I don't know what it is, but it, it happened, and I loved it. Uh, my the thing, my best performance goes to Jordan Love, and the one thing I couldn't help but notice is that every ball he throws is off his back foot, and the only person that makes me think of Orlovsky Ooh. is Aaron Rodgers. I mean, not only did he sit there and watch Aaron Rodgers for three <laughs> years and learn some things, <laughs> He has the ability that it requires, I'm assuming, so much arm talent to be able to do that. But they talk about off-platform throws. That's not what he does. He does it off-balance. He seems to be constantly falling backwards and still delivering the ball exactly where he wants. Jordan Love, I thought, was sensational yesterday, and you have more tape on his performance. Yeah, the thing that impressed me the most was how much control at the line of scrimmage he had, Greeny. So often, Matt LaFleur gave him the ability to change plays. In some critical moments, it was big. He sees off corner, third and four, all the way at top. He's going to use his cadence. Now he realizes, I'm not going to overcomplicate this. I'm just going to check to a quick out up top. And look how good he is at understanding. The clock is going down, okay? I'm going to catch, throw in rhythm. This is an easy first down catch to Musgrave. That leads to the all-out pressure touchdown to Wicks. This is my favorite play of the weekend. Uses cadence to, to get that second level to show here comes pressure. Now watch the, the butterfly effect. Changes the protection, brings both tight end and back in. Okay, look at him, clap, clap, clap. Why? He's telling the offensive line, clock is coming down, give me the ball, motion. Now they've created leverage. Everybody's blitzing on Dallas's defense or playing man coverage. He makes sure that they can protect it. And then look at this throw. He double clutches it and still makes the perfect throw, both in placement and trajectory. That was like my big, I guess, surprise yesterday was I did not know Matt LaFleur trusted Jordan Love that much to go on the road and say, hey, if you see something, change the play, get us to it, communicate to everybody, get the playoff in time, and then execute post-snap. It was flawless. We will have the week to continue, maybe longer than a week, to continue making this point. But what do you call Brian Gutekunst? What is your... Oh, Goody Main? Goody Main. Oh, Goody Main. Uh, masterpiece. Listen, there are a lot of people, myself very much included, 
who need to line up to apologize to that guy. And boy, does he deserve to take a bow. Yeah. Th- th- they didn't rebuild after Rainy. an immortal quarterback left. They got better immediately. They are young. They are talented. The quarterback looks absolutely ready. This is the worst they're going to be for the next five years, and they're on their way to the second round of the playoffs. That guy deserves to take a bow in Green Bay. Go ahead, Dan. They better pay Jordan Love now. Yeah. They will. Yeah, they they better pay Jordan Love now. In his last nine games, he's got 21 touchdowns, one pick. Better He is, in going into next year, like think about it, going into next year, who in the NFC are you taking over him? Jordan Love, our quarterback? Maybe no one. Uh, I mean, one the guy, answer may very two? well be no one. There's, there's nothing in the world better than having Shefty next to him just going, oh, they will. So, so Shefty, this is the beauty of just having you in a nice, relaxed setting like this in Tampa. The, the, so we, we've talked about Mike McCarthy this morning, ad nauseum. Maybe he gets fired. Maybe we'll hear something from the Joneses today. There are three other situations that I want to ask you about on this day, and I'll just throw them at you and you take them in, in however much detail and order you choose. There's been a lot of noise around Philadelphia. So we will see what happens to them tonight. They play their game on ESPN. There's been a lot of questions that I've heard, at least, about Nick Sirianni's job. I've heard a lot of questions about Mike Tomlin, about whether or not he will want to return, that he is taking some time, potentially, to make up his mind. What should we be expecting in Pittsburgh? They, of course, play this afternoon. And then the Jim Harbaugh of it all, who I know is interviewing first with the Chargers. Those are three situations. Fascinating. Shefty, the floor is yours. Thank you, Green. And I will take the floor and I will run with it. And we will start with the Philadelphia Eagles. And I think within the organization, people scoff at the idea that Nick Sirianni could be in trouble after taking this team to the playoffs in three straight years. But the wild card that looms over this is the owner, Jeffrey Lurie, and what he thinks. How does tonight's game go? Does it go the way he wants? If it doesn't, what does he think? Because in the end, ultimately, He is the only one that matters. He was the one that moved on from Doug Peterson after two years after they won a Super Bowl. He was the one that moved on from Chip Kelly pretty quickly. He is the one who could be disappointed tonight if it doesn't work out the way that this team thinks it will and can. And so Jeffrey Lurie really is the key figure here when we talk about Nick Sirianni. All the other talk is out the window, and Jeffrey Lurie isn't sharing with anybody exactly how he feels about that particular situation. In regards to Mike Tomlin, big game this afternoon in Buffalo. And there's been talk recently around the league that Mike Tomlin could decide to take a year and step away. Number one, he's not getting fired. That's not happening. Number two, he gets to stay there, I think, as long as he wants. But just like Sean Payton decided to take some time away from New Orleans, took a year off, Mike Tomlin could decide to do the same thing when the season ends. He'll sit down, he'll talk with his family, he'll talk with Art Rooney, and he'll make a decision about what he believes is best for him. But certainly there's a question there about what he'll decide in the eyes of people around the league. And the last one is Jim Harbaugh. He is meeting today in his first face-to-face meeting of this coaching cycle with the Los Angeles Chargers. And I believe, Greeny, that the Chargers have identified Jim Harbaugh as somebody who is of great interest to them. And I think Justin Harbour is of great interest to Jim Harbaugh. So I think this is potentially a match that's waiting to happen, but today will be their face-to-face meeting. 
will not take place in Los Angeles. will be outside the city limits. And they will have a chance to sit down and go over their visions for the organization. I think there's a lot that Jim Harbaugh would want to see the Chargers organization, changes that they'd like to make. This is an organization that needs to get with some of the top-run programs, but they are meeting today, and he is square in play for that job, Rainey. Quick final thought. Yeah, I think the market for coaches is as good as it's going to be or has been in a long time, so it should be attractive. It's a little different. Uh, right now. If Mike Tomlin wants a year off, we got room for him here, right? A little Wednesday action. How about that? Absolutely. Let's get him. Come on, Coach. Easier. We got space for you on Get Up if you're interested. Hey, see every Australian Open match live on ESPN Plus starting tonight at 7 Eastern. That's on ESPN Plus and then 11.30 Eastern on ESPN 2. As we continue, we have more. And then, as you know, there's no one happier perhaps on planet Earth today than Stephen A. Smith. Do not miss his reaction. Molly, Shannon, Orlovsky, and Stephen A. Top of the hour. Get Up is presented by ESPN Bet, the official sportsbook of ESPN. And, of course, two games today. Ours is the Eagles and the Bucks, capping off Super Wild Card Weekend, 8 Eastern, ABC, ESPN, Deportes, ESPN Plus, Peyton and Eli on ESPN2. Let's quickly put the picks up on the screen and get some thoughts in here. Dan, you're the only one going Philly. Give me 10 seconds on why. I think Philly's going to catch Tampa in a little bit of blitz situations and crease some runs. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, it's hard for me to pick the Eagles given what we've seen up until that point. It's less of a vote of confidence in the Bucks as much as it's that defense. Me boy. too. Not Look. only that, their defense has been off. I don't know that Jalen Hurst can throw a ball. His fingers and messed up and A.J. Brown AJ Brown's is not out. there. I mean, this is the Eagles are a shell of themselves. I will be surprised if they win tonight, and we'll see. If they don't, then what it all leads to. All right, one piece of business left as we do every Monday. Only one way to finish. Danny, take it away. Shout out to my boys, Hunter, Matt, and Noah for this one. Okay, why can't you hear a pterodactyl go to the bathroom? Why? The pee is silent. Because the pee is silent. Yo, don't, don't, oh, my bad, my bad. I thought we... I did. First take now. Yeah. Shout out to the boys. Good joke.